This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. The good news for Bears fans is you get a week off this coming week. The Bears hit the bye after the loss to Green Bay. Hello, Mac fans. Glad you're with me on the Danny Mac Podcast, courtesy of the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. And uh, thanks so much to Bet Rivers for popping for the billboards promoting the podcast. Uh, friends of mine say, man, I can't drive down the tri-state without seeing Erlacher and without seeing you uh, and on the Ford as well. So yeah, it's good to get the word out and uh, you can do that yourself. You listeners who've been with me. Uh, if you have friends who might be interested in provocative and honest, educated NFL conversation, did I say educated? F me. Uh, you should never say that. But uh, I love football, and a lot of uh, a lot of my listeners have been um, enjoying my football thoughts and exchanging them with me for decades. So glad you're with us, uh, with us in the Packers over the Bears yesterday to sweep the series one more time. For Aaron Rodgers in his history, he's just, uh, well, you've heard, he's owned the Chicago Bears, and that was the case again yesterday, even though his numbers were anything but Packers standard numbers during the Favre to Rodgers era, 31 years now completed in the rivalry, and the Bears have only won 15 of those games. Rodgers threw for just 182 yards and a touchdown yesterday, but he wasn't intercepted and he wasn't sacked. And boy, that's a familiar script for Bears post game assessment. No sacks or not enough pressures. Rodgers yesterday, not knocked to the ground nearly enough. Not only just not a sack, but not very many quality pressures. And man, oh man, does Jalen Johnson have to get smarter late in games. And that for me is the lead today. It is. Guys who are going to be here when they're good again, not answering the bell when the game is being decided in those final four minutes when the Bears have had leads and they relinquish them and the Packers outscore the home team 18 to nothing in the final quarter of the game yesterday. Nice as it was to see the Bears jump out to a 10-zip lead after Fields' 56-yard touchdown run. Three minutes left in the first 10 to nothing Bears, and their fans are thinking this is finally the day. Finally the day when that D-bag Rodgers gets to find out what it's like at the back end of one of these things, but not to be. Although it was exciting to see another long touchdown run for Fields, that's three of them, 50 yards or better this year. 
the Bears' problems with other skilled position players remain intact, and it starts with Chase Claypool, who lost a fumble yesterday and, and also was dinged up after the play, and that's, that's being questioned, too, whether it was an injury or bruised ego. Nonetheless, he has five catches for 28 yards. That ain't why you traded a second-round pick for this guy with Pittsburgh earlier in the year. He's a big target, and he runs fast, and they're not taking advantage of that. It was the best day for Fields in terms of yardage this season, and you can't argue with a, you know completing 80% of his passes, 20 out of 25 for 254 yards, but he was picked twice, and he did not throw a touchdown pass. He was intercepted twice, and you can blame that on the receivers too, like everyone else if you want to. I thought he had a floaty ball a couple of times yesterday, including the late one, regardless of what receivers made. That that ball was hung up in the air way too long yesterday, and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't a clutch performance. Again, I don't put it all on their quarterback, but the Bears are blowing leads every week, and they're getting a possession with a chance to at least tie or win the game four times now in a row and failed. Not getting it done against the Detroits, the Atlantas, and the prior to kickoff four and eight Green Bay Packers yesterday with the win Green Bay's five and eight. Congratulations. The Bears seven games below the 500 mark and flirting with the possibility of going three and 14. And for so many people, that's just fine because that probably will mean the number two pick in the draft after Lovey Smith's Texans go first. Um, they came up short again yesterday. I'll get to the other games in a little bit, but I want to do a little bit more on the bears. And it's, it is frustrating even for me, not a bears fan to watch wasted talent and and watch a coaching staff that doesn't want to put a guy's best skill set on display. And I don't know what's wrong with Luke Getze and Chase Claypool, but with these four remaining games, my my hope would be for their benefit they get better. That is as important to me as as the draft position seeing guys like Claypool and 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 maybe it includes Equinemius St. Brown. Maybe he's not a part of their future. I, I don't know how they feel about him. So, but if you would see Valus Jones, the third round pick this past spring, make progress. He had one carry yesterday. He doesn't do much. And they don't throw the ball enough to get a great read, not only on the quarterback, but also the receivers. You feel like they went crazy yesterday with uh, modern day football because they threw 25 times. They threw tw- How many times did Mike White of the Jets throw yesterday? 60? 57, actually, is the exact number. Mike White can throw it 57 times a game. And he had, what, four starts in his NFL career, I think, coming into yesterday's game against the Vikings, and they almost pulled it out. Vikings almost choked that thing away. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Cole Komet targeted seven times. He has a team high for the Bears. Got six of them for 72 yards, no touchdowns this time around. David Montgomery, a decent day on the ground for the Bears, averaging 4.4 yards per carry on 14 carries, 61 yards, and a touchdown. 
But the Packers, the Packers not beating themselves is the difference in the game. They had no turnovers. The Bears had three. Green Bay only had two penalties. And they enjoyed a five-minute differential in time of possession. You know, progress with the passing game from a Chicago standpoint, yes, but asterisk the yes. 10.2 yards per attempt is nice. You're not going to average that. No one is. But that's a really good step up. That's that's good run after the catch, and that's good stretching the defense a little bit more and having more big plays. The catch Nikhil Harry made, and he might have busted up his spinal cord as hard as he hit the ground. That was a big gainer. That was a big play. Splash plays the new jargon in the NFL these last 10 years. That's that's what you want to see more of with guys who are going to be here. Now, is is Nikhil Harry going to be one of them? I I don't know. You see quickly why the Patriots gave up on him. He hasn't been healthy, and when he has been, he hasn't really done anything to distinguish himself. But I again point to the Bears' reluctance to let Fields throw more than 20 times a game until yesterday's monster 25 toss effort. Um, the Bears didn't defend the run as as well as they needed to. A.J. Dillon wore them down as the game went on, and, and he's good as a receiver as well, but he had 18 rushes for 93 yards, an average of 5.2 yards per carry, one of them a touchdown. Also, Christian Watson, only one run yesterday, and he busts it off for 46 yards and a touchdown. As for the Justin Fields TD run of 56 yards, the one that gave the Bears 10 nothing lead, he tied an NFL record six straight games, a quarterback with a rushing touchdown. Johnny Lujak did it many years ago. Congratulations to Justin Fields. He's got to win some of these games on the Bears' final possession. That's that's reality. I, I don't, you know, you, you'd like to see that. If it means picking third instead of six, picking second, I'd take it. Going into next year, if he could lead the team from behind twice in the final four games. To me, that would be better than picking number two versus number three. If Fields can beat one of these remaining teams, it won't be Philadelphia. But wouldn't that be sweet if the Eagles were the team Fields rallied from in week 15? You can run on the Eagles, although the Titans didn't do a very good job of it yesterday. But uh, pass defense has been a strength. You do it against the, the Eagles' pass defense, then you'd be doing something in 13 days when the two teams meet. Some closure on what the Aaron Rodgers victory means. It has been talked about everywhere. Any football fan, casual or otherwise, probably knows the Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers legacy, for lack of a better word, in Green Bay is one of the most impressive in football history. And Bears fans know it more than anybody because their team has sucked against the two. I mentioned the record. Bears 15-47 and 47 in the series. Sunday was the 18th time the Packers completed the double scoop, the, the, the two wins in the annual meetings. The Bears only did that twice in these 31 years. And I talk about it because 
There is a lot of suspicion this is the end for Rodgers in Green Bay. That's a damn hard contract to unload. It constitutes 22% of the Packers' budget, Aaron Rodgers' deal. And I think they would like to see him try it somewhere else or retire. And I I have no insight as to what Green Bay's quarterback is going to do. He's going to stick around. He's going to stick around only if he gets moved. No clue. But the Packers' dominance over these 31 years now, 92 through this year, 31 NFL seasons, is so lopsided. It is in the craw of every Bears fan from Seattle to Miami. They have been beaten and so many times beaten soundly by the Packers. 27 times, I'm 28 after the one in week two this year, 28 times the Bears have been beaten by 10 points or more by Green Bay. 19 times they've been beaten by 14 or more by the Packers. As bad as Green Bay is this year, as as much as you can enjoy the, the precipitous dive of Aaron Rodgers. They still have just kicked the shit out of your team for so long. Has to be unnerving. I'm looking forward to a break in content debate. There's been a lot of that this week, uh, this past week in Chicago. Real good sports radio scrap. The Scores Afternoon Show, Danny Parkins and Dan Wiederer from the Tribune, a regular contributor on the score, dropping gloves this past week. Uh, I caught a little bit of the aftermath. I caught some of the interview, but I heard all of the aftermath. And it gets to the point where people are just, you know, it becomes the cat fight on who's right. who's And I engage in it. I'm guilty of it too. Who's right? The guy who wants a higher draft pick or a guy who wants production from core players? Maybe the truth is in the middle. It often is. Let me look around the NFL yesterday with you, and I, I, I'm not going to do a ton on each, but I, but I, it's obligation to do a capsule on every game played the previous day for me when I do the Danny Mac podcast. And the biggest game from an NFC North perspective, you can pencil. You don't have to pencil. You can engrave. Engrave the Minnesota Vikings name on the trophy if they give one for NFC North champions because with their 27-22 victory over the better Jets this year than we expected, the Vikings now have a five-game lead in the division. They're 10-2, five games up in front of the Detroit Lions. (laughs) And the Lions are ahead of the Packers after their 40-14 win over the Jaguars yesterday. Mike White turned in another decent game for the Jets, even though he also is one of those guys who had a chance to win it and didn't late in the game. He got a little bit of an unfortunate, you know, when his best receiver steps out of bounds. Uh, on what looked initially like a scoring play. But White yesterday, 31 of 57 for 369 yards. Problem is he didn't throw any TD passes and was intercepted twice. The Jets went only 3 and 16, 3 for 16 on third down. You're not going to win in the NFL 
when you do that. And the, the Vikings didn't beat themselves. They didn't turn it over, and they only had three penalties. So they keep winning in ways that don't overwhelm you. Kirk Cousins wasn't great. Dalvin Cook didn't get off. They were both just solid enough to keep the Vikings winning, 27-22. to 22. And fortunately for me, covering. The two plays I liked the best this week were Green Bay and Minnesota. Both came in. I had a nice parlay on that one. Unfortunately, there were games played at 325 as well. And I already had invested. I wasn't spending house money. I will not break that commandment. I made those moves before the noon game started. Lions over the Jags. I mentioned that. Detroit now 5-7. and seven. The Jaguars 4-8. and eight. Every now and again, you get, a, get the impression the Jaguars are, are turning the corner a little bit. And Trevor Lawrence is going to be worthy of that number one pick in the draft a year, two years ago. And then it doesn't happen. They give up 40 and they, they get the crap kicked out of them. And the game in the NFC East that really was interesting to me, because all four teams in the East are, are, are playoff teams right now, that didn't change yesterday. Commanders and Giants square off in a Donnie Brook that ends 20 to 20. Washington 7 5 and 1, right behind the 7 4 and 1 Giants in the division. And the commanders, again, doing what they've done. Stop the run. If you stop the run, you can do a lot of good things in this NFL. And if that means that's going to have to mean stopping the quarterback a little bit. And Daniel Jones didn't kill him with his legs yesterday. So the commanders at least hold serve and hang on to that seventh and final playoff spot in the NFC. Uh, with the tie yesterday, Philadelphia 35, Tennessee 10, Jalen Hurts MVP chances are improving. He was amazing yesterday, 380 yards passing, three touchdowns and no picks. He also ran for a touchdown. I'm going to get a lot of movement here in this MVP race these final weeks when teams jockey for home field position and the Eagles have it right now at 11 and one, the best record in the NFL. Deshaun Watson went back to Houston. He was treated rudely as you might expect his first game after the suspension, the 11 game benching by the league Browns beat the Texans 27 to 14 very pedestrian numbers for Watson, who's probably just glad to have that first game under his belt, and especially that it was back in Houston, which drafted him and made a star of him. And then uh, the the 23 civil suits that Watson settled with massage therapists, just an awful, awful way for a guy to, to, to continue his legacy. I mean, when you, when you, that that will never escape him. He always will be that guy. And uh, while he wasn't, you know, indicted on anything, there certainly is enough reason to believe he's a man of questionable character in terms of the way he treats people. Browns over the Texans, 27-14. In a game I'm glad I didn't watch, the Ravens beat the Broncos 10-9. to Lamar Jackson was hurt early. Tyler Huntley came on in relief, and the Ravens eked one out. He said eked. 
eat, trying to get under my skin, John Harbaugh might say. Um, Ravens now eight and four with the win. The Broncos fall to three and nine. Denver scored 10 last week and nine yesterday. They're awful. And Nathaniel Hackett likely to be launched after one season in Denver. The Steelers beat the Falcons 19 to 16. Steelers five and seven Falcons five and eight in the afternoon set. Bengals and Chiefs was a great week 13 game. That game had everything. I I thoroughly enjoyed it, even though it was one of my losers. Joe Burrow is a tough son of a bitch, man. He's not only as a passer, but he put his head down a few times and went for the sticks and got hit hard a few times and got got up. He wasn't sacked, and that's something that we can't say enough good things about after their first two games of the year. Burrow got sacked 13 times in the Bengals' first two games of the year. They didn't get to him yesterday, the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have a good pass rush. Travis Kelsey's fumble as the uh, Chiefs were getting ready to stretch their lead just a huge swing. I don't know if there's anything that swung a game harder yesterday than the Kelsey fumble did. Man, I got to give credit to the Bengals' number two running back, Sam J. P. Ryan. He is a short, stout, relentless worker and got to the 100-yard mark yesterday and never does it by busting off really long runs. He's just tough. 21 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown. The long run, 10 yards. Patrick Mahomes, very pedestrian. 16 of 27, 223 yards, a touchdown pass, a rushing touchdown, on which he got hit hard, by the way, and managed to survive it. No picks. But I think I think it's accurate to say Jalen Hurts closened up the race yesterday in the MVP, right? The combination of Hertz big day against the Titans. And many were thinking the Titans were going to have a Mike Vrabel type response and win in a street fight. The Eagles had other thoughts, Derrick Henry, not much there before he exits. And, uh, it's Philadelphia in a route 49ers and dolphins, a huge game yesterday. And the 49ers have to go about the duration of this season with 22-year-old first-year man Brock Purdy running the show. He's a rookie, seventh-round pick out of Iowa State. Jimmy Garoppolo done for the year. The Niners blow out the Dolphins, and Tua Tengley of Iola was awful yesterday. Both teams eight and four. The way the Vikings, or sorry, the Niners' defense has played lately, you'd think with Garoppolo, they they very well just might represent the NFC in February. Not now. You can't feel confident now. I don't care how good Nick Bosa is, and there are a bunch of guys on the San Francisco defense that are very, very good. Fred Warner is a terrific player. They've got some other guys there, too, and their secondary will put pads on you. I like a secondary that does that. It doesn't happen often. But, I, I man, you're going to go with a first-year quarterback who's 22 years old, seventh-rounder? Whew. Seahawks over the Rams 27 to 23. This one also did not go my way. I trusted the Seahawks minus the six and a half. 
And even though they didn't cover, I still find it enjoyable that Sean McVay is looking at a football team that now is flirting with bad history. After the loss, the Rams now 3-9. and nine. The worst record following a Super Bowl appearance. That belongs to the 99 Broncos, which went 6-10. and 10. And then John Elway retired. Um, actually retired after they won the Super Bowl, and then they went 6-10. and 10. Brian Greasy was uh, the quarterback for Denver. So that's where we're at with the Rams this year. Without Stafford yesterday, without Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup done for the year, they still couldn't beat the Seahawks. Geno Smith did it again. One of the higher ratings on the day. Throws for 367 yards and three touchdowns opposite only one pick. Seven times his game rating has been in the 100s. What a year for Geno Smith. And what does this mean for journeyman down the road? You think anything? You think a guy like Chase Daniel? Now, not, not Chase because he's been holding a clipboard forever. But a guy like that who just lasts on a sideline as a backup, you think you think teams might now be more inclined to pass the torch to that guy because of what Geno Smith is done? I, I don't, but I think it's a fun story. I, I don't think it will become a norm, nor will the Raiders winning. But uh, Vegas beat the L.A. Chargers yesterday 27-20. to Josh Jacobs continues to be a a real wrecking force, a real man. Is he good? Josh Jacobs. And I was wrong on him. I thought he was, I didn't think he was running hard earlier in the year. And I know he did have an ankle problem early on and he's been battling a calf injury, but he's over 100 yards and in the end zone uh, each of the last two weeks, been very productive for those of us who have him in fantasy. The Raiders moved to five and seven. The chargers are six and six. I like Justin Herbert. I think it would be funny if the Chargers missed the playoffs again this year. They're they're working on it. Brandon Staley is working on it. Go for it on fourth down again, Brandon. Keep doing it. Last night, the Cowboys just took the Colts to the woodshed and beat them in every area. 54 to 19, the final. Dallas 9 and 3, running second in the NFC East behind the Eagles by two games. Dak Prescott, three TD passes, two of them to Michael Gallup. Tony Pollard ran for a couple of touchdowns. Nice effort by the Cowboys. Complete game. Didn't need to stay with it. Didn't have to put that thing to bed. Time to work on capsules for Monday morning's Danny Mac podcast. And some of that includes a little bit of assessment uh, on Saturday night's Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis where Michigan beat Purdue 43-22. to I, I don't think that differential indicates how close the game was. I was really rooting for Aiden O'Connell, the sixth-year quarterback at Purdue, and he did throw for a ton of yards, even though he didn't get any ton of uh, touchdown passes. Uh, O'Connell with 366 passing yards, a couple of bad interceptions, and uh, they they just didn't have an answer for the Michigan running game. Donovan Edwards was amazing for Michigan, 25 carries, 185 yards. That's an average of 7.4 yards per try. And the the Purdue defense was making him look like Derrick Henry. 
they were shy in putting pads on him, kind of the old Olay technique, the matador technique, if you will. Don't want to get in front of you. Let me dive at your ankles from the side instead because you're Donovan Edwards, even though you're only 6'1 and 205. Where was the effort from the Purdue defense? They didn't tackle well. They didn't deserve to win that game. And I think coaches way too often panic and abort the run too early when they're trailing. But Purdue went to it late when they were trailing. They they didn't treat the two-score deficit at the time with the reverence it deserved. The way Michigan was running the ball with Edwards, why wouldn't you want to put it in the end zone immediately? Because Michigan's capable of making you burn your timeouts fast and then just salt away a victory with a very good running game. They ran for 225 yards and three touchdowns. Purdue needed to express more urgency their final two possessions. But nonetheless, a spirited effort um, by the Boilermakers who were playing in their first Big Ten championship game. They started these back in 2011, first time Purdue has represented the West. Uh, Michigan stays clean on the year, and they will get TCU on New Year's Eve in Glendale, Arizona, in the Fiesta Bowl. I have no argument with any of the final four. Michigan versus TCU, and then in the evening, it's Ohio State against top-ranked Georgia. So you're going to have a Big Ten national champion. You're going to get Ohio State and Michigan quite possibly. Can Ohio State beat Georgia? Yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. They also can get their ass kicked because Georgia is damn good. I'm not so sure how I'm going to go in that game. I've played only one college game this year. I'm 0-1 wagering on college football. But it would be un-American not to move on the semifinals. New Year's Eve is a bummer for me for the date on these. I'd, I'd rather have New Year's Eve for my family. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't mind so much the first game at 3 o'clock in the afternoon but that night game, and it's the better of the two, I think, Ohio State and Georgia. I'd rather I'd rather watch, you know, Citizen Kane. Or here's a good New Year's Eve movie. How about when Harry met Sally? Because that's finally when Billy Crystal's character, Harry Burns, convinced um, Meg Ryan's character that he was the right man for her. Uh, nice New Year's Eve party scene near the end of that cheesy but lovable late 80s film. Purdue gets LSU in the Citrus Bowl on uh, the 2nd of January in Orlando. So uh, nice year for Aiden O'Connell. He he never is going to be likened to Drew Brees. He's not going to be compared ever to any of the good quarterbacks in the 80s. Jim Everett or Scott Campbell maybe even at Purdue. In, in the 70s, Mark Herman. In the 60s, Bob Greasy. Mike Phipps, Purdue has a, Len Dawson, has an amazing history at the quarterback position. Aiden O'Connell's never going to be mentioned among those greats, but I enjoyed his two years, and I think he embodies what uh, the spirit of college football should be. He wasn't wanted by Division I schools coming out of Stevenson High School in the northern suburbs of Chicago. He was an eighth-string walk-on years ago. He waits his turn, 
And finally, last year in his fifth year at Purdue, he gets a chance to to unload and run an exciting offense, a throw-in offense. Their running game last year was terrible. It was better this year. Devin Mockabee had a decent season on the ground. But back to O'Connell, he lost his brother middle of of the week prior to their Oaken Bucket game, the old Oaken Bucket Purdue's annual matchup against Indiana. O'Connell's oldest brother, Sean, passed away. And uh, the obituaries, I've and I've been looking for several days on this, they're, they're very vague. We don't know what happened as of yet. One article said there were cardiac issues, but it doesn't specify whether Sean O'Connell had a cardiac issue prior to his passing or whether something might have caused a cardiac issue. And it noted, as it always does in mysterious deaths of young people, that a toxicology report is pending, and that will take several weeks likely. And it's none of anybody's business if if Sean O'Connell, uh, I don't know, I guess public record-wise it, it is, factually speaking, but uh, I always get a little bit irpy when toxicology reports are released to a public, it's hopefully for people that's have family involved. That can remain a very private thing. The week 13 wrap up tonight, Tampa Bay at new Orleans. I I'm looking forward to this game tonight. Um, I need a big Tom Brady boost. I would like to think the greatest player in football history is going to get some momentum going for the last month of this season and make it that much more interesting once we get to postseason football. With the Garoppolo injury out for the year with the 49ers, that opens the door. It's Philadelphia, Dallas, and then everybody else in the NFC. Now with Garoppolo out. You can say the 49ers are too good defensively to say that. Okay, fair enough. You want to roll dice on Brock Purdy? Have at it. I ain't betting on a 22-year-old, whether he was a seventh-round pick or a first-round pick. I can't go there. I value the experience at the position too much, and the guy's taking the reins in the stretch drive of the season. Ask Nick Foles how easy that was five years ago when he came on in relief of an injured rookie named Carson Wentz. Foles was terrible his first few times out, and then he put it together and won an MVP award in the Super Bowl. But he had experience in the league under Chip Kelly prior to Doug Peterson before he went to St. Louis and then contemplated retirement. The dude had some chops in the NFL. He had accomplished a few things, had Nick Foles. Brock Purdy hasn't really busted a grape as of yet. But Tampa and New Orleans tonight to finish it. And not only do I uh, do I want to see the Buccaneers make for a more exciting playoffs with the greatest quarterback in the game's history, I want Tom Brady to help my fantasy football team flourish. Yeah, I said it. I'll be selfish in the final minute or so. I want my fantasy football team to win this week. And if that's going to happen, Tom Brady has to have a huge game tonight. And my load would be, his load would be lightened a little bit if he made Chris Godwin a part of it because he is on my fantasy roster as well. Bears fans, enjoy your time away after you, uh, you lament your team's inability to get past the Green Bay Packers even when they're bad. 
You'll get your chance to sing Bear Down in 12 days when they face the Philadelphia Eagles. Have a great week, everybody. I thank Adam Delavitt from Bet Rivers and my producer, for Sam, uh, Sam Michael, for helping me get the podcast out a little bit later than typical today. Had to do the morning show on my hometown radio station, WJOB. Will be a little bit later this coming Thursday, probably dropping somewhere around lunchtime. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. If you like the podcast and you want to tell your friends, hey, Mac's still flapping his gums and still talking crap about the NFL, tell them how they get the Danny Mac podcast. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. I'm Taylor Lights. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. 